fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel, here with my epic co-hosts. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, the Maria Hill to Jamie's Nick Fury. And I'm Jack Olander, a universe-traveling Mary Sue, here to fight crime. Nice. Awesome. Well, guys, this is a big episode. This is an episode that I've been waiting to do for I don't know exactly how long, but as long as or the second I came up with this idea, I wanted to make this episode, but I knew it had to wait a little bit this week as kind of our encapsulation of one year of doing this podcast. We are going to be pitching our fantasy Avengers. Yes. This is the super team, the best characters from the last year of Swords and Satire movies brought together to create one powerful unit. (laughs) (laughs) You said unit. That's the funny word. (laughs) (laughs) And a horrible villain and henchman to round out this plot for the movie that we are pitching here. Ooh, villain bad. Piss. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to do today is we have put together the categories of heroes and villains for a fantasy movie, and we've each picked our nominees for filling those categories, and we're going to pitch our idea for who is the best character to fit each of these roles, We're each going to make our case for why we think that character fits that role. And then we're all going to vote and fill out our team. So we're going to have our Thor, our Iron Man, our Hulk, our Hawkeye, who's my favorite Avenger. And fuck you if you don't like Hawkeye. (laughs) But really, we love you. But really, we love you. (laughs) But Hawkeye rules. And if you say otherwise, that is sad. So, yeah. Uh, and then our Loki and... Loki guy? staff. No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's more like our um, like our Thanos and then our like Proxima Midnight. Right. Or... There you go. So, why don't you take a second to talk about our er example for all of these categories. I'm going to do what that. the categories are. Yes, do. And I, I'm going to do that. Thank you. Our yes. prime example, the, the movie that inspired part of this idea. Our mascot film. Or our mascot film, thank you, is, of course, Conan the Barbarian. Wow. The first. Hail Krom. Hail Krom. <laughs> Hail his name. Oh, Hail Krom? Yeah, hell, hell crumb. <laughs> so we we kind of determined that Conan and his team and the movie Conan the Barbarian kind of creates this archetype of like the modern fantasy movie or like fills it in perfectly because Conan puts together this team of three other heroes who work together. They all have kind of competing personalities, but they mesh well together. They fill different roles in the group. You've got the villain in Thulsa Doom, who's this iconic villain. The henchmen, Rexor and Thorgrim, who are like these really iconic and memorable characters. All these characters we feel are super iconic, super memorable, 
and fill each of these adventuring roles that also fit back to like role playing games and all kinds of other fantasy fiction. These characters fit each of these kind of archetypes. So we've given each of these roles a kind of a title and we're going to share them one at a time. And then we're going to go through our list of who we nominate for each of these positions. And then we're going to debate it and we're going to vote. And in the end, we're going to have the best fantasy movie of all time. And we've done this blind. So this is the first time we're hearing each other's lists. <laughs> That's right. We have no idea who each another, who we have no idea who each other has picked to fit these archetypes. Yeah. But let's start by explaining it. And the first archetype is the one inspired by Conan. And we call this archetype the body. This is the best warrior who always conquers their foes. The most physically impressive, martially competent, and or athletically gifted character. It's your trusted sword, the one you want in any combat scenario. In an RPG, this is going to be a fighter, barbarian, paladin, or a monk, probably. And to kick it off as the dungeon manager, I'm going to take my uh, authority to make the first pick in our Fantasy Avengers, and I'm going to nominate Arthur from King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I and thought the sword was the protagonist in that film. <laughs> oh, damn it. You're right. Okay. Well, but the sword doesn't say very much. So I don't think it'd be an interesting character to build the entire movie around. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So here's my reason. <laughs> I love Arthur. Arthur's a great character in this movie. He is this prince who is brought low by circumstance. He is raised amongst the people. He doesn't become a uh, a great person because he knows his backstory or he knows that he's noble or anything. He just ends up being a good dude. He's a defender of the sex workers he works with. He's scrappy and resourceful. He, he earns everything on his own. And then it turns out that he just so happened to be a prince and the heir to Excalibur. And he is able to get the sword. But before he gets the sword, he's already a great dude. Yeah. And that's that's why I picked him. I, I really thought that he was the embodiment of a great warrior. And he's got a magic sword. Like, what else do you want for a great combatant? He's quick, strong, and he's got a magic weapon. Like, I really couldn't think of anybody who really fit all my ideas of what makes a perfect character to fit the body role than Arthur. You do make a good point. In that film, Excalibur kind of lets him move at super speeds so he can just cleave through enemies who are seemingly frozen in space. Yep. And he even slashes out at a bridge that's maybe 50 feet away and shatters it, even though yep. it's made of stone. That's, that's right. pretty brutal. Pretty impressive. He also has at least two scenes in the movie where he cleaves through foes like a Dynasty Warriors character. So I figure, like, I mean, he's he's the guy who probably has, like, the highest body count of all of our movies. Makes sense. Oh, Makes man. Sense. Yeah, that's fair. So that's my that's my vote. Arthur. Chelsea, do you want to pick our second nominee for The Body? Sure. And that was a really solid pick, so it's going to be hard to follow that up. But I think I've got a solid contender. Okay, I'm ready. My pick for The Body is Ash. <gasps> Ash Williams? <laughs> Ashley himself? 
Yes. From the Evil Dead series, The oh, One man. Who Lives. That's his title. I mean, that alone is a very good candidate for like your best combatant. If yeah. he's going to always live. Exactly. That's pretty solid. He always defeats any evil he goes up against. Even if he's possessed, he's able to get out of it somehow. He's very canny and crafty and resourceful. He's not always a competent tactician. <laughs> that's true. But that's not necessarily the body's job. Right. But he's clever. And like I said, resourceful. And um, he can he's adaptable. So it helps him get through. And he has a supernatural athleticism to him. That's true. Which yeah. really encapsulates this role, I feel like. In spite he, of what like you might think he's just kind of schlumpy and and slow, he's actually a very competent fighter. So <laughs> yeah, he wields a shotgun one-handed and point. he's able to <laughs> like flick the shells back into it and then just like cock it with one hand and then <laughs> like get it get off the rounds and then he also wields a chainsaw in his other hand no that's not accurate the chainsaw is his other hand <laughs> yeah. okay thank you that's just even you're just helping my case no absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. that just makes my case even stronger he also has a robot hand sometimes which can crush pure steel Exactly. So, and that that was in the movie we actually watched. Yeah. Uh, the Army of Darkness. He is, I think, the only candidate in all of our movies with variable hands, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. I could be mistaken. Hiccup has variable feet, but it's not a hand. You know what True. I'm saying? That's fair. Also, he... Ashley Williams, right? Mm-hmm. He takes one hell of a beating and always gets back up. That's, That's true. That's true. He's Even, resilient. Yeah, there's a scene where his clone is growing out of his torso. And he's <laughs> man he manages to be fine despite that. Yeah, it's true. Who man. He can survive black holes and going through time and falling from high distances. He has this uncanny ability. He's not only athletic, he's also acrobatic. Yeah. He has this uncanny ability to form his chainsaw hand by flying through the air and catching it on his stump. <laughs> and he does it in almost every movie, except for the first one. Right. I gotta say, that might be his strongest ability you've just brought up. The rule of cool. If he thinks it'll make him look badass, he's instantly way more likely to succeed. Right. Great point. And, oh uh, yeah, that is, a, that is like an ability of his. You're right. True. And oh, his yeah. fighting spirit, you know? He's got yeah. a Bruce Campbell-like cool to him that is just <laughs> undeniable. There's it's a good true. reason for that. I yeah, think, there probably is. I think he's a little swingy, you know what I'm saying? He has his Dumbo comedy moments, but then he has his badass dangerous moments where he can deal a pretty heavy hit, but I think he's an excellent tank for a team. Yeah, I, I was going to point out that I don't get the sense that Ash is a great team player. Now, certainly from the movie that we actually watched for Swords and Satire, later on, there is like Ash versus the Evil Dead, where we get a different Ash who works with the team. Even then, he's not much of a team player, though. Not saying he's a bad pick, but I mean, he's kind of a he's kind of a one man show. But I do like that. He's also a bit of an everyman. Right. That that is a 
point in his favor. It would seem that it's a con, but to be honest, if you go back to the Conan er example, he's not much of a team player either. He's just willing to work with other people to meet his goals. Fair. He does break off and go off on his own when he it he see, feels like his teammates aren't going to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> right. Uh, we knew how that went. Contemplate yeah. this on the tree of woe. Exactly. Crucify him. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to Jack's pick and see if we can come to a consensus here. Okay. So I did consider <laughs> both of those champions. Really oh considered them. Well, this just says like we all think so much alike, and that's why we're a great team. It's true. We're here's the secret. We're the real fantasy Avengers. Yeah. It's true. But the secret is I did not pick either of those two in the end. What? I was thinking, you know, the body is just the typical, you know, frontliner. The person right. who hits hard and can get hit hard. Yep. There are two other roles that I figure might be the thinkers of the group. So for body, I was picking pure physical stats. And in my mind, who better than Hercules from Hercules 3D? Oh, Chattacles! His heart oh, is in the right place. You, you, yeah. hear, you know, he has a goal and he goes toward it. He's not going to be misled by anyone. You know, his dad was trying to mislead him, his adopted father, but he wouldn't be misled. So his mind... It's goal-oriented, and it it's unshakable. But what we care about is the body, right? Yep. Yeah. And what better than the body of a demigod? <laughs> That's a great point. He also has one yeah. of the coolest weapons in all of the movies. I mean, Excalibur is great, but he's got the fucking Kratos, like, chain... Columns. Yeah, Columns, the yeah. lightning noodles as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Where he can wiggle them and go... Like that. Yeah. You know, that's true he hits hard he can get hit he can rip columns he can call lightning i'm just saying he's he hits and he gets hit boy this is gonna be tough yeah and he was a commander of a legion of troops as well so he can work with others and that's in the true. gladiatorial arena he worked well with others as well when fighting those two pit fighters yeah, much yeah. Like great point so he even works well with his opponents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this is a tough one. It is. I still feel pretty strongly about Arthur. I think he's got that like lightning speed fighting. He's one of the more likable. I think he's got like, he doesn't have the most personality of the three. Ash obviously has the most personality of the three. But like, <clears throat> we still get, you know, a bit of that. Like, we still get a, a strong charisma. I, I'm i going to have to disappoint you here. I think I'm I'm coming up with a process of elimination we can go through. Okay. And since we are talking about the body here, somebody has to have all of these qualities in themselves. And by your very point that Arthur is relying on Excalibur, I think that it disqualifies him. But it's, I mean, the, the body is supposed to be the best fighter. But it's Excalibur that really has a mind of its own and is fighting and using Arthur to fight. But he, I mean, he's still a competent fighter beforehand. And he, again, defender of sex workers, I think, makes him a strong uh, candidate. I think, to be honest, I think Arthur's a better candidate for the mind. 
he's crafty and he comes up with all these plans and oh compared to the mind that i picked he is a rank amateur you know <laughs> compared to the mind that i picked <laughs> i don't know but uh i'm just saying you know i i may have considered arthur for several roles and <laughs> who knows maybe i think he'd be better in a different role as well okay okay fair um boy well if you guys agree that it's not going to be Arthur, then I can't win this one because it's two against one. That's fine. Okay. I would say that of the of the two, then I would have to say Ash would be my second pick just because he does have that, like, I mean, first off, the built-in fan base that we're going to get for having yeah. Ash is like, <laughs> I mean, you can build a franchise off of this. Right. And they have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, but a new franchise. Okay. Yeah, the people who like Ash, you know, they'll ride or die. They'll follow him through any media he goes to. Yeah. But man, Hercules really is like the chattest of the chads, and that might make him a good candidate. I mean, we could also, like, as we're creating the movie, like, introduce him in our, like, Greco-Roman university setting that we created. That's right. Like, when I first heard Jack talking about it, and that he's a demigod. I, I just like my uh, initial reaction. Like I have my Fabies, my favorite pick. Your little Fabies. My little Fabies. But to be honest, I did immediately have this reaction like, oh, of course, that's it. You know, it's true. <laughs> it's not all the characters are balanced. I was certainly looking no. at Disney's Hercules who can just like do anything essentially. And I'm like, you know, I think I'll settle for <laughs> the probably other Hercules just to be a little a good more choice. reasonable it's like Ash has so much charisma he could fit into the heart for sure um, but we're not there yet no you know so, what I am I guess I will concede because of my point that Ash is very much a one man show we're building a team here Yeah. Hercules has the qualifications as Jack pointed out for working with other people, being part of a unit. <laughs> I think I'm going to throw in my vote for Hercules. Actually, yeah, I got to I got to agree. Yeah, in addition to his physical prowess, just the fact that he's so single-minded and unfazable, untrickable and unstoppable made <laughs> me think he was so good for a group. Yeah. Right? Uh, you you make a strong point. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've got it. All right. Well, let's chalk it up to the first member of our fantasy Avengers. Is Hercules more of a Thor or more of a Hulk if we're doing like Marvel's Avengers? I got to say, since he can call down lightning. <laughs> sure. But I mean, I feel like he's got that durability of, of Hulk, maybe. I don't know. No, not really. He can take a beating like he does take a beating. He gets hurt. Okay. So he's more of a Thor. I mean, yeah, yeah. The I, I know the lightning was kind of a gimme, but yeah. that's, we're, we're mixing our mythologies here. Yeah, yeah. Next, we're going to talk about the spirit. In Conan, this is the Subotai. This is the inventive factotum who's never caught unaware. They're the most cleverly resourceful, charmingly shrewd, and or endlessly adaptable character. This is your jack of all trades, the one who can do practically anything. 
In D&D, this is a ranger, a rogue, or a bard, most likely. And Jack, would you like to tell us your pick for the spirit first? Yes, I can. And this one was actually one of the easier roles for me because two characters immediately leapt to mind. I'm only going to tell you one of them, right? Because that's what we're doing. (laughs) But I figured, who has such undeniable charm and skill that they... You know, they earn respect through every action and word they say and do, right? But Wesley from The Princess Bride. Oh, wow. He's so handsome and charming and talented. He outfences the guy who fences for a living. He outwrestles a giant and he can climb a cliff by himself. Yeah. The cliffs of insanity. Yeah, he can sail by himself, withstand torture, navigate swamps. He's immune to certain poisons. He is imminently adaptable. You know, he's like, he's a spy, a pirate. He's got that cheeky bastard personality down (laughs) too. And he's just, he's courageous and charming and people just automatically want to follow him. He's got this, he's like a gravitational force. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, there's even a scene in the film where he doesn't have use of his body. Because of right. the torture he's endured. And he still manages to outthink and deceive the prince into surrendering without even having to fight. Bluff Great check. point. And Great. That, is, that is such a rogue thing to do. Yeah. Exactly. Just through sheer personality and mind. He, well, not mind. Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's able to overcome his foes where he would have been killed if he had to be the body. Great point. Just something to think about. I also considered him for the body, though. He's just... But he's so versatile. I think that's why it works. Anyway, that's my Wesley argument. Great choice. So, I am going to go next. Okay. And I also chose Wesley. (laughs) Because he is like a renaissance man. He fills this role so well. He can do everything. He defeats... Three different types of foes early on in the story. Yeah. And he outthinks Prince Humperdinck in the end as well. And verbally maneuvers around his hurt feelings with Princess Buttercup. He he can do everything. Like Jack said. He got Buttercup to fall in love with him by only saying one sentence over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. As you wish. I don't think I could do that. I mean, he was consistent. Yeah, it's true. He was con- that was he was dependable. Yeah. Hey, dude, I don't know if it's going to work. Oh, dude, it works. <laughs> you just got to keep it up. <laughs> yeah, so he's just got so much charm and vigor. It's, also... It, uh, it was obvious to me as well. Yeah. Also, his career is based off a trick. The Dread Pirate Roberts? That's right. all just marketing. Yeah, I know. That's a great point. (laughs) Yeah. Whoo, man. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm interested to hear who you picked, though, Jamie. Okay, well, I picked somebody who is adaptable, charismatic, solves problems in a variety of ways. One of the most charming and lovable characters of the entire first year of the Swords and Satire, Milieu, I picked... 
Willow, motherfuckers. <laughs> from nice. the movie Willow. Yeah. That's right. Warwick Davies in the flesh. Willow is dependable. He sets out on a journey to help people when he doesn't even need to do it. Like, he, he, he does it to help his town, obviously, to return the child. But, you know, he doesn't really ask for anything in return. He knows a bit of magic, like enough to get by. And he can trick people with his, like, the little bit of magic he has, he can use to fool people. Sleight of hand. His sleight of hand. He's capable of also using magic items. He basically has used magic device like a rogue would. He works great as part of a team. He's willing to, like, he's willing to take a back seat or knows when he should let other people step forward and handle things that he can't do himself. He is sensitive and thoughtful and charming and just everything I think you want in, like, the person who's going to be your backup. And he can solve problems that nobody else can solve and w is willing to, like, make alliances, you know, with, like, the the female general in the movie, he's willing to work with her after they, she's been hunting he and Mad Mardigan for like most of the movie. Like they're willing to mend their fences and work together to fight the bigger evil that they've, you know, that they've all realized is a detriment to them all. Yeah, it is true. There's the scene at the beginning where he's quizzed to pick a finger on the sage's hand and he, picks the correct one where others fail because he thinks outside the box, right? That's like the very first scene to establish the strengths of his characters to establish how clever he is. That's right. He's a problem solver and he doesn't follow the same roads that other people follow to get to the solutions. Mm -hmm. But I think now that we've all made our cases, it's time to eliminate one of these <laughs> two choices. Well, we have two Wesleys, so I think it's safe to eliminate one of them. <laughs> yeah, we can we'll start spare off with that. Yeah, we'll get rid of, let's say, Jack's Wesley. Okay. Since yeah, we that's took, fair. Since we took Hercules, which was Jack's body, yeah, we'll yeah. get rid of Jack's Wesley. Well, so it's now Chelsea's Wesley versus my Willow. So yeah, two W's. Now that half of Wesley is gone, he's only mostly dead. He's still <laughs> in it. Oh, good one, Jack. So mm. I think we've got two strong candidates. We really can't go wrong. True. What are we going to weigh this on? Like, we've got two of the most adaptable characters. Charming. The greatest thing is I think that both the actors who portrayed these characters are still totally capable of portraying them now, yeah. 30 years later. Yeah. <laughs> Funny sure. enough, that seems definitely true. I'm thinking about it, right? Wesley and Willow. And uh, I have to say, after reviewing Willow, I, I could see him maybe being a stronger contender for the mind. I'd considered that Just too. because he's so talented with mystic arts. He's very resourceful, like you said. He can make acorns that petrify stuff. He's able to use the wand that only master sorcerers are able to use, right? Well, he tries. You know, he... he can kind of manage, and he he does manage to get through a lot of situations, that adaptability of the spirit. You know, just his arcane prowess, I figured, would kind of potentially push him over the mind. 
He was originally my pick for the mind, but then I realized that he's more of an outside-of-the-box thinker, where I think of the, of the mind as a bit more of somebody who, like, knows a lot of the lore and information about the world. I hear that. That was just my interpretation. It's hard for me because I feel like out of the two, just like a cursory glance, I feel like Wesley is the more obvious choice. But at the same time, I really like that Willow is kind of the underdog. He's underestimated by everyone around him and he proves them all wrong. And I, I really love rooting for an underdog character. It's true. So that's a big compelling point for him, mm-hmm. in my ab- opinion. I mean, maybe Willow as being more of a team player. Wesley's more of a loner, and um, I mean, he teams he's kind up with selfish. He teams up with Fezzik and Anigo, but I mean, this is kind of the rogue role, so a bit of selfishness does work. Yeah, but in putting together a comprehensive team, I think Willow might be the stronger contender. As much as I love Wesley. I think I might be willing to change my vote to Willow just because he's uh, the more interesting choice because he's unexpected. Nice. Mm-hmm. I win. <laughs> just kidding. No, I, I, I think Wesley's a great choice. I just really, I, I was trying to figure out where to put Willow because he fit in most of the categories for me. Okay. But because... He's resourceful because he can use magic device and all this other stuff. And he thinks outside of the box. That's why I really wanted him to be my spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. I'll take it. All right. All right. We got it. We got him. Let's move on then and talk about the heart. In Conan, this is Valeria. The Heart is the inspiring leader who everyone rallies around. They're the most tactically minded, indefatigably supportive, and or endlessly encouraging character. This is your leader, the one who inspires and guides the team. Probably in D&D terms, we're talking a cleric, a druid, or in 4th edition, which I actually liked, the warlord, or the argent. Mm. Nice. Chelsea, do you want to give us your pick for the heart first? Yes. And I feel like I have a very unlikely character, but I just thought they worked really well here. And I'll tell you why. All right. Please so do. I picked Valerian from Dragon Slayer. Wow. Very cool. Interesting choice. Yes. So they are the leader of a scout troop and kind of like a local militia for their village. And they are supportive of the people around them. They're always uplifting people, like talking to them about their best qualities and telling them, especially the main character, that they can defeat their foes if they have the support of the people and the right tools to do the job. So she's a great morale booster. So that's why I thought of her for the heart. Um, She's also fair-minded. And she can can rally the people to a cause. She's the one that points out corruption in the elite and the royal uh, exception from the uh, lottery. I like that a lot. And she rallies the people around fighting back against them. I love it. 
she's a really unlikely pick, I feel like, but I think she fits it really well. And she cares deeply about her people. It's true. She's pretty indomitable with her beliefs. They dress androgynously. Yes. Which, you know, everyone sees as a little bizarre, but, like, they just still have the strength of character to do it regardless of that. Which I think is the sort of thing you want in a leader, someone who is true to themselves and their cause. And she's so well-liked and such a natural leader. People accept her no matter what she's wearing or how she's presenting gender-wise. true. She was really cool. Yeah, yeah. this is a great pick. They. So, I liked how you were using the neutral pronouns. I thought it fit. It does, yeah. Okay, nice. I like it. I'm going to go next, I think. Mm-hmm. My pick for the heart is a little bit of a probably maybe I don't know if it's an unexpected choice for me because this is one of my favorite characters from all of these movies. And I've said that during the episode. My choice is Herger the Joyous from the 13th Warrior. Oh, yeah. Nice. Herger is absolutely one of my favorite swords and satire characters. He is charismatic. He is an excellent rallier of people. He's not the leader of the Vikings when they set out. But when Beowulf is killed, I feel like Herger really fills that role. Now, he is also a bit crafty. He could have been the spirit, too, as we saw in the scene where he kind of, like, plays the fool in this fight against this giant dude in the fighting pit. But, like... He does this to kind of inspire, you know, in this scene, the Vikings are trying to say that the town should fight back against uh, the the wolf or against the bear monsters that are killing them. And the Viking leader knows that Herger is the guy to go to to make an example. Right. And he goes into the fighting pit and he baits this giant guy who thinks that fighting is all about muscle and just smashing through everything. Sheer power. Yeah, he, he's a fool. He thinks that sheer power is all that there is. Herger knows how to turn a foe's strength against them. And it, like, changes the entire town's perspective. Like, Herger is willing to play the fool to make an example that will eventually inspire his troops. And, I mean, his nickname is The Joyous. Like, his whole shtick is that nothing gets him down, that he will always be the one who is willing to stand tall against any threat and and go up against any odds and never let those odds get him down. And that's why I felt like he was a great leader, because he was also, again, like the choice of the Vikings leader, Beowulf, for who should kind of be in charge of things. Right. But we've got one more candidate, or maybe one of the same candidates, who knows? Jack, who's your choice for the heart? Certainly I didn't pick either of those characters. I think it's so cool that you both didn't choose leading characters. You both chose supporting characters as the leaders of the group. Because sometimes the main character of the movies we watch is more poorly written than the support because you know it's easy to make a cookie cutter main character right the support is what really flavors the world right that's a good point you both picked such cool characters i picked a bit more 
of a typical, like, who you'd expect. And it's the same one Jamie said should be the body, King Arthur of Excalibur, Legend of the Sword. Nice. I nearly had him as the body. It was between he and Hercules. I really wanted them to be in the same group. <laughs> yeah. So I said Hercules could be the body and King nice. Arthur could be the heart, even though uh, I was originally thinking Ashitaka could be the heart. Oh, oh nice. King Arthur won out in the end. and uh, That seems like a difficult choice. <laughs> it's true. Well, I figured King Arthur is a better leader of people. In the movie, he already leads a group. You know, they're not the Knights of the Round Table, but they're gonna be. Yeah, you know not what I'm yet. Saying? They're, his, they're his gang, and they support him. You know, he's kind of helping to fund this brothel. He's a self-made person, you know how they say. Uh, he took himself up from the streets into this leadership position. He's very skilled. He's driven. Like Jamie was saying, he cares for other people. He cares for those who are kind of disregarded by society. And those are the ones who he teams up with. He has a lot of skill. Excalibur, like we said, is this symbol that people can rally behind as a leader. And that's like the whole point of it in that film, right? It shows that you're in charge. Right. Yeah, he rallies people. He's clever and he's smart. And he's got a good heart. Clever, smart, good heart. Everything you want. I think it's so cool, your guys' choices. I'm almost like, oh, you're right. Fuck him. <laughs> we, these are all so hard. Uh, this I is going to be a real tough one. Hmm. I, I like uh, all of these choices. Yes, I do too. I have one... <laughs> I do have one thing that um, might kind of sway you over to my pick. Okay. And that is the issue of representation having valerian on the team would mean that we have more of more diverse casts and representation sure. in yeah. our team for which i think is a valuable like not a heteronormative gender which i think is a valuable point for sure maybe it makes sense that i picked that one for that reason but i think it's something that we don't often get to see enough of i do worry that if we put uh I can't think of the Hercules actor's name, but together with Charlie Hoonan, it would be like the blonde hair, blue eyed, like <laughs> hero team that is, you know, lacking any diversity. Right. Yeah. I got to say, while I was putting this list together, I was uncomfortable. As I noticed, every character I considered for every role out of all of them. There was only one woman on the entire list, and I was just cringing. I'm like, ooh, is it my fault, or is it the fault of the people who make the movies? I had a similar concern, and I think it's the fault of... I mean, especially for these movies that are from the 80s and stuff. I mean, Dragon Slayer is... From 82. You know, uh, from from the 80s. I mean, Willow... I mean, Willow has the um, the general... She was awesome. Yeah, I mean... But a lot of the characters that they focus on are dudes. Society yes. is the villain, as always. Exactly. 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 I think that was what I was thinking, too. But yeah, you're definitely right. And the the woman you've chosen is also kind of like masculine in the way she portrays herself as they portray themselves, you know. Yeah, they're somewhat. Tradi the traditional gender role is masculine. Not yeah. They're, they're gender fluid, which I really like. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. You almost never see that. Mm -hmm. I feel like Valerian's a great choice, especially because she or they, uh, I mean, I I think the movie kind of implies that she is not necessarily non-binary, but who knows? I mean, I, I could be wrong. It's an older movie, too, so... I mean, just like the first scenes where you when when they're introduced, like cut such an impressive shot and 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 it's such a cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. And they're so capable in any role that they want to fill because she's able to lead, but she's also able to take a step back and be supportive when she needs to. Which is a great quality in a leader. Yeah, I, I, I hate putting this team together without King Arthur. Because yeah. I feel like that's one of our favorite movies. And, like, without Arthur, I feel like we can't have a scene of, like, a narrated heist in our movie. Like, you, if we don't have Arthur, we kind of lose access to that great scene of, of them explaining what they're going to do while we see the shots of them doing it. But Yeah, I'm just imagining the narrator saying forget everything you fit and then just turning to Thanos dust halfway through because we didn't <laughs> choose Arthur. <laughs> Can't make the joke ever again now. That's right. You can't it's do done. it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I as much as I love Herger, I think I might have to change my vote to Valerian. I think nice. she's an excellent choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad to see King Arthur because he is one of my favorite characters from the it's year. It's true. Not yeah. get in, but Valerian, I'm just so convinced, is the thing. Yeah, I feel like you've you've swayed us, Chelsea. Nice. Good I thought work. I thought that uh, inclusivity thing might be the clincher. Mm-hmm. It kind of is, although that doesn't I necessarily mean. But they, but all of their other qualities fit so well too. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be some more diversity in our team. No, yeah, I actually think it is her heart that won me over. Yeah, like, right. just Agreed. the passion of her, like, righteousness. That strong sense of justice. Like, that yes. is what you want in a leader. It's and true. I don't know that I don't know that Herger had that. I think he's a good inspiration, but I don't think he has a strong sense of justice. It is more kind of about just his team. Right. As opposed to, I believe Valerian has the betterment of everyone everybody in the kingdom in her mind yeah Yeah. it's true valerian she's the one that inspires others to keep going they are right yeah great point even when everybody else is ready to give up because they're gonna do it themselves without anyone else helping i think it's true even if yeah even if you die or decide to drop out they're gonna keep going and i think that's really inspiring yeah yeah i think so too all right guys well then our team of heroes is almost done but not quite yet because we still need to fill the mind the mind in conan is akiro played by mako the beloved actor the legend the legend, Uncle Iroh. Yep. But our description of the mind is the genius intellect whose mind is their greatest weapon. They're the most esoterically intelligent, calculatingly perspicacious, and or mentally gifted character. This is your most brilliant sage, the one who solves all the riddles. 
in D&D terms, we're talking a wizard, sorcerer, artificer, or an alchemist. And I think I will share my choice first. Okay. Let's mm. just refer to my notes here. I'd like to nominate Merrick from the Mythica movies. Merrick is kind of my dark horse choice for this list. She is a character who can work well with a team, but has a dark and potentially dangerous secret and power that sometimes guides her towards, let's say, uh, less than scrupulous solutions to problems. She can literally drain the life force from people around her, but at the same time, that makes her a powerful spellcaster and wizard who's able to utilize arcane magic that some might find unnatural. Yeah. She's also a character who is overcoming a physical malady. She's got, you know, the, the issue with her foot. So she's not just a, like, she's, she's a character who has things to overcome and has maybe some character faults, but I think that makes her more interesting for them. Yeah, she has some yeah. depth, for sure. Yeah, she has a level of depth that I feel like a lot of times we don't get in the usual power fantasy, all good and righteous main characters. And the fact that she was like the primary character, the perspective character of Mythica, I think means that we got to know her more and we have more to work with for using her in this capacity. So that's my vote. Merrick, the necromancer, kind of. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if she's actually a necromancer. She but. Has, is, she's necromancish. Yeah, necromancish is good. Find yeah. out in a future episode of Swords and Satire. Yeah. Yep. I know there is a necromancer, I believe, played by Matt Mercer in one of these movies. The third one, I believe. Yeah. Yep. But Jack, do you want to tell us your nominee for the mind? So... It's a bit of an unconventional character because they in themselves are not very proficient with arcane skills, but they are very knowledgeable about the arcane. They constantly have to deal with it themselves. They are naturally resilient to it, and they're very clever figuring out riddles and staying motivated, and that character is Roland from the Dark Tower film. Oh. The gunslinger himself who also uses Excalibur melted into guns, so it's almost like King Arthur is still in the film. <laughs> you just want to cast Idris Elba for our movie. It's true, I do. And I have to say, I almost... Roland was a really interesting character because I put him as my second for the mind. I also put him as one of the potential characters who I think would have been an interesting henchman. Oh. But I didn't end up choosing him for that role. Oh my god. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you've got a character with the most powerful magic spell, Cast Bullet. Dude, there's just the scene where he shoots a bullet straight ahead and then ricochets a bullet that is fast enough to collide with the one that was shot in a straight line. If that's not magic, I don't know what is. Yeah. Also, though, I believe he has poison resistance. Is that a thing? Yes. Yes, he has like hepatitis F or something yeah. and like a bunch of other radiation resistance. Yeah, yeah. he's he's got ra he, like he basically has like the equivalent of like radiation poisoning. It's not affecting him. I think like yeah, like multiple forms of syphilis and herpes. And yes, yeah. he has like superhuman 
levels of physical resilience. Yeah. Something you don't usually get in a mind character. He also has mm -hmm. superhuman mental resilience, though, and I think that's something that's, uh, you know, a point in your favor. It's true. And as we know, in the film, his enemy is, the like, the most powerful sorcerer in the multiverse. So yeah. he has to be able to stand up to magical threats, and he has to outthink this genius with a ton of resources. He's very smart, and he yeah. can. He basically just has to keep overcoming obstacle after obstacle, universe to universe. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say, I think cool. having Roland as an option is a solid choice because it gives us access to the Dark Tower, which, as Stephen King fans will know, is the center of all fiction where all media can kind of uh find itself into other like where all characters can find themselves connected to other characters from different media it's an excellent plot device i am so gleefully happy that you said that <laughs> yeah I love it. But that, yeah, I mean, that's a really good choice. But it let's is. see. We, we're not done yet. Chelsea, who is your mind? Okay. So my pick. Drum for, roll. For the mind. <laughs> the cage himself. Balthazar. Yes. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Of course. Yes. He had to be there. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad. I was worried that nobody was going to pick Balthazar. Me too. Like. Me too. <laughs> oh. He uses his spirit to cast magic and his intellect to understand and explain it. Mm -hmm. And um, he's shrewd and ca calculating in his tactics. He knows how to traverse traps and entrap other sorcerers. And he's just got great style. I mean, I love the way he layers his clothing and his old man's shoes are the best. I have to say, like, I had to resist the urge to try to find a way to make Nicolas Cage every character in this, because I was going to have, like, Balthazar and Felsen from uh, Season of the Witch and uh, <laughs> just, yeah. like, make it basically a Cageception. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be strong. I love Beeman and Felsen so much, but when it came to this, splitting them up felt so unholy, I couldn't do it. Yeah, agreed. So, Balthazar understands the intricate details of the workings of magic, how spells work in tandem or against one another, how people are even able to tap into this force. Mm -hmm. around them to create magic and he talks about it having repercussions in the world and on your body and that it's actually he almost explains it as a type of science yes i like that a lot about Balthazar. so i thought that was really interesting about him he's also a high enough level wizard that he can teach others how to utilize magic which i think is very helpful in the mind exactly they're a counselor yeah and he's hundreds of years old He's so undeniably powerful with the spells he knows. Like you were just saying, he's high level. And he's so creative. He pulls out old tricks like the old like Hungarian mirror trap, I think they call it. Yeah. Like he's got style, to be sure. And since he uses all these old tricks and he's been around so long, he will be especially powerful to less learned opponents. Yeah. And even if the movie's set in, you know, ye olden times, like, he can still be there. Yeah, it's right. true. 
So yeah, that's my pick. Oh man, this might be the hardest one yet. I love all of these choices. Jack, you blew my mind with Roland. I know. I would not have picked him for the mind, uh, but I think it works. But especially with the way you described it and made your case. Yeah, I mean, it, he has to know all this magical stuff because it's what he defends the world against. You know what I'm saying? That is true. There must be some magic in his guns. Maybe that's why the bullets work so strangely. Because it is, they are forged from Excalibur. Yeah, but I, I figure he's just like a master mathematician because he can like calculate trajectories like at a Captain America level. It's true. Which, I mean, the Captain America, although I guess Captain America is the heart of the That Avengers. is another case for him as the mind. True. Yes, that's fair. fair point. <laughs> now, I do, I mean, I, I have to say, like, Roland's great. I, I still like Merrick as, like, somebody who is not just good. <laughs> I like that it's a character who, I, especially I think she and Willow would be these diametric opposites. Mm -hmm. Willow, the kind of pure and unflappable good, and Merrick with this, like, kind of tainted good that is like edging towards the darkness yeah it's cool i like it i like the interplay of dark and light and that struggle within a person's character i like seeing somebody actively dealing with those struggles like you guys said it makes for a really dynamic role and it can help drive a story Definitely. And I think the relationship between Willow and Merrick is just so good because I think Willow, uh, I think Merrick wants to be more like Willow is as a person and sort of with her magic. And where Willow uses cleverness to kind of navigate the fact that he doesn't get magic very well yet at this point in time. She is the kind of person to kind of cut corners and mess with forces she doesn't really control. And so I could see that really being an interesting, you know, juxtaposition between the two where he just kind of like accepts his limitations and kind of tries to outthink his own limitations. She's just like, I need to get stronger no matter the cost. And that could be really cool. Seeing the way they would use an item like the magical wand that Willow gets in the movie that he can't use properly. Seeing the ways that they would both try to use an item like that would be pretty Oh, neat. God. Merrick would just, like, drain the energy from everyone around her in her party to power the magic of the wand against its own, like, will against her using it. So, one aspect of the mind that we can't forget is that they need to be able to be a mentor in some way or the ability to teach others. So I still think that Balthazar is a good fit in, in that case. Yeah, that's a good point. And Roland has the opportunity to become a teacher, but he's a little bit resistant to it. But in the end, Jake proves himself and he does start to teach him. Sure. I mean, that's fair. He takes him on as, like, his heir, basically. He does. It's true. Balthazar is really dedicated to being a teacher. To be fair, 
he is teaching the prime Merlinian in <laughs> the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, actually, they both both Roland and Balthazar are reticent of being a teacher because Balthazar doesn't want to just teach anyone. But that's because he's seen the. That's because he's seen the harm that can come from teaching a student who is going to use those powers for evil. And Roland doesn't want to teach people because he's been burned so many times with his uh, followers being killed off by uh, Walter. Now, I will I will maybe throw a monkey wrench in this a little bit, and, and I had not considered this before, but I could see Balthazar as the Nick Fury who brings our team together. Oh, wow. We haven't even, like, set up that role, but that's a cool idea. Yeah, I don't know if we have time for a big discussion of that, but I do see Balthazar potentially filling that role. I'd be willing to concede my pick if we could have him as, like, a backseat, having a few scene core scenes of putting this team together. That's Just a, a thought. That would be a new role. The, like, right. the coordinator role. Ooh, right. I like it. I mean, if you guys are cool with that, I might just fucking write that down right now. I'll approve of it. Okay. As I think about it, that was kind of an obvious one that I just didn't think of when I was putting together this list I because think, yeah. you've got to have your Nick Fury. Yeah, I think exactly. the reason is because there wasn't a coordinator in Conan unless you consider Krom the coordinator. Ooh. I do. And also I don't, because it's Krom. <laughs> if you don't coordinate our team, to hell with you. That's right. <laughs> but that just, that still leaves us between Merrick and Roland. Merrick is the more traditional choice, to be sure. Roland, though, I think is a fine choice indeed as well. Yes. They're both, they're both fine. I, I'm I think torn it's gonna... between just like wanting Roland to be on the team, and Merrick as another female representative, and also a cool character in her own right, just like with this internal struggle, with the opportunity, in really interesting story potentials of like making mistakes and fucking up, and then. Like, maybe going to the dark side for a bit and being able to have the redemption arc, which I love. So, it, it's a hard choice. Well, you are the deciding vote. Oh, fuck. Jack and I have dug our heels into the ground. We we cannot possibly agree, which is not true. I think we both can see strong cases for each other's picks, but right. you're the deciding vote. Am I? Okay. So, even though this greatly pains me, I think I'm going to have to go with Merrick. Ouch! No, no, no. Just because it's so hard to say no to Roland. Yeah. I mean, but it's true. I think my heart wants to go with Roland, but my mind wants to pick Merrick. Oh, there you go. Makes sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack, because that was an epic pick. No, I think Merrick is a very cool choice. She would have such a good group dynamic with the rest of the people. I think I every know. other hero we've seen, we've chosen, would have a good chemistry with her. I don't know if every single character would have a good chemistry with Roland. There so, might be yeah. too many strong, overlapping personalities. That's fair. And Merrick learned 
that it's important to have allies and that it's okay to be vulnerable and rely on your friends sometimes. And also sometimes you need to show that you're powerful over them and suck out their soul. You know, it's a balance. Yeah. I also, <laughs> you, yeah. We, we can also just later on, we can put together our West Coast fantasy Avengers with Ash and Roland and Great. the B team. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. I just love the idea. The conceptual idea of Hercules 3D hanging out with Merrick. Because he's, he's just so like... He's a nice guy. He would be nice to her and encourage He's him. really nice. And she's yeah. not especially nice, but... And he might yeah, bring it out of her. Maybe. He isn't a very, like, judgmental person, though. And he's not a super, like, confronting, except for in combat. Because you remember in the film when his brother is taking credit for killing the Nemean lion, Hercules is just like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't remember it going down like that. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but I did that. that but whatever. Was mine, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so I could see Merrick's, Merrick like being uncomfortable with her morally questionable magic. And then Hercules being like, you know, magic is magic. You know, it's what you do with it that counts. <laughs> you know, I could see them actually as like eventually being really close friends. And I like that idea. Yeah, exactly. Because he wouldn't judge her for her magic, I don't think. Right. No, yeah. I mean, he couldn't because he's the son of a god. You know, it's it's not about how strong you are. It's what you do with your strength, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've got our hero team. Our dream team. But what good is a team of heroes without an equally evil, dastardly team of villains? So we've only got two categories for the villains because villains tend to stand more singularly. And, and, you know, there's different ways that villains like put together like forces of darkness. But for our purposes, we're just going to do two. And the first of those is the hench person. In Conan, there's two. Thorgrim and Rexor. This is the right-hand person of the villain, a dastardly helper with a penchant for destruction, abduction, and mischief. They might be biding their time until they can claim the top spot in the evil hierarchy, but they're willing to serve the greater evil, at least for now. Jack, would you like to tell us your pick for the hench person? Ah, uh, yes. Infidel defilers. They shall all die in lakes of blood. Now they will know why they are afraid of the dark. Now they will know why they fear the night. Nice. I love it. It's Thank such you. a cool Perfect. line. And we're starting with the henchman, yes? Yes. Yep. So I'm starting with a very unconventional choice, but it's sort of what we discussed in the episode, Perseus as the henchman. Because oh. wow. we talked about how he's kind of like the janitor for the gods in his movie. <laughs> they turned they turned Calibus into a demon man. Yeah. They smote a town that he was from. Perseus goes and kills Calibus, of course. Uh, Perseus goes and kills Medusa, the Gorgon, another mess the gods put out. 
he kills the vulture demon, he kills the kraken, he just goes down the list doing the gods work for them, right? The gods put themselves in the situation where they have to start smiting people, Perseus is the cleanup crew, and he just kind of hears what his dad wants him to do and he kills indiscriminately, right? As yeah. long as it looks like a monster, he's willing to put it down. I yep. think it's just the sheer idea that he will kill just because he's told to. You know, it's a viable thing to make him a henchman. And he thinks he's driven by pure justice, right? He's like a paladin we discussed. He kind of has this unshakable drive and belief that he has the moral high ground. So if he believes it's his duty to take down these people or to do whatever deed he's doing that the heroes have to stop, I don't think they could convince him out of it. Great point. Yeah. And, you know, when, of course, in the film that he's in, he's painted as the hero. But as we all know, like you mentioned, Jack, he's really one of the villains. It's true. <laughs> or on the villain team, as you're making a case for. He is close to the fall, for sure. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, Medusa and Calibus aren't, like, good characters in those movies. You know, <laughs> typically morally good. But, like, the way he handles them is by, you know, decapitating them both. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's, yeah, he, and he has an array of magical artifacts he uses. He has a team behind him. Like, he has troops. I think he's the perfect leader of the troops henchman that a villain would want. Strong case. That's going to be a tough act to follow. Yeah, it's true. So I won't do it. I'll make Chelsea go next. <laughs> okay. So here we go. My pick for the hench person is Eret, son of Eret. Yes. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> oh, man. Great choice. That's so good. <laughs> From How to Train Your Dragon to... Kit so Harrington in the digital flesh. <laughs> yeah. So he's loyal to his boss, Drago. But he's capable of so much more, you know? He could be a villain in his own right, which we did reimagine for him in our rewriting history episode. It's true. And Drago trusts him to run his own fort mm -hmm. and to lead offshoots of the army. So he's resourceful and crafty as well. He's given a great amount of autonomy to, like, kind of do things his own way and trust that he's going to follow through. But one reason why I really liked him is also the redemption thing. Like, there is good in him, and this leaves an opening to create a redemption arc in a story, which I always am kind of a sucker for. It's so, very fun to watch that. Yeah. So that was another reason why I picked him. It's pretty a, a straightforward thing for me, so... That, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, that, that pretty much says it all. I think you, you make a great case. Yeah. You are How right. He can be <laughs> dastardly. Yeah. But he can also be really useful as well. Yeah. You know, and he very, knows all of Drago's plans. So. Yeah. And he, yeah. I think it's just so cool how he's dastardly at the beginning and then compassionate like halfway through toward the end he's just totally siding with the good guys you're right and and you can't say that in another story he wouldn't side with the heroes to kind of backstab his boss to gate to leave a power vacuum and then fill it and betray the heroes nah, classic sith move yeah it's true and yeah 
in the beginning, he isn't even willing to talk. He's just gonna backstab them and take their dragons the second they land to parlay. It's not until his boss betrays him that he thinks about switching sides. So he's like a good henchman right up until you do him dirty. Great well, yeah, point. and he was going to betray him by killing him. So he really put him up, in, uh, put his back to the wall, you know? <laughs> Eret, Eret, son of Eret, he has some self-respect, to be sure. Yeah. Well, how about you, Jamie? What was your pick for the hench person? Boy, I had a harder time, I think, than you guys did. I, I was looking through the movies and, and not a lot jumped out at me. But I did land on one that I felt pretty strongly about. And it is... Cesar, the mercenary bounty hunter from Lady Hawk, played by fan favorite Alfred Molina. Oh my god! Wow, I forgot about oh, him. No, yeah. Al has played villains in both Lady Hawk and the Sorcerer of the Princess. Yep, he's great. One of our favorite character actors. Yes. He lights up any scene he's in. That was mostly why I picked Cesar. He's this, uh, he's this scheming, conniving, scruffy, scruffy, but focused and dedicated hunter. But he also does that classic hench person thing of toying with his prey. He's like a cat who knows that they've got the mouse right where he wants them, and he's just gonna swat you and and stick you and and just kind of sink his teeth in without totally closing the jaw until he knows that he's going to get the most satisfaction out of it. Yeah. You're right. I don't think he has the like strength of personality, will or whatever, or intelligence to set up being like a main villain, but he's definitely the kind of person who's just been waiting for this sort of opportunity and is yeah. just reveling in the fact that he's finally gotten hired for a sort of job like this. Yeah. He was totally. like born to be the henchman. You're yeah, right. he's like he feels like he's called up to the big leagues and like this is his time. I don't think he really has any ambitions for like leading a troop of an evil army or anything. He's just happy to sow chaos on a personal, intimate level. And I think that makes him a great hench person. And I mean, he's a mercenary. He can be bought and sold. That can lead to some interesting dynamics with the plot. It's true. This is such a deep dive, Jamie, but it, it works so well. Thank you. Yeah. It's true. I mean, Lady Hawk is really, a, I feel like, a classic movie. I had to get somebody from that. It's one of our most popular episodes, too. Yeah, so. it was a really good one. I mean, who can forget the 45-minute scene of them trying to save that dog from the ice puddle? <laughs> <laughs> but what do we think? Man, we've got... I Perseus was a real, like, left turn that i did not expect i like that one because it's a meta choice yeah it's it's using a modern lens and looking back on a film from the past and analyzing it with modern sensibilities and recasting the characters as would fit our norms and mores now and i think it's a really intelligent choice for that reason thank you yeah yeah, and I gotta say, yeah, one of the perks of Perseus as the henchman is, do you remember who we chose for the body? Hercules, <laughs> his half-brother. Oh 
my god. Oh man. Oh, that's compelling. Ooh, damn. Oh. I th- I don't know. I think you just won my vote. Yeah, as me much too. as with that. I'm oh, just saying, shit. Hercules, his job in his film was to take down a tyrant who was being blasphemous toward the gods. Perseus is the executioner for the gods. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, when you say that, there's no question. And they're yeah. both chosen by Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> I I really can't. Like, I, 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 mean, I think we could probably work Cesar into the plot somewhere. Totally. But as, like, the, the villain's real go-to guy, I think Perseus is it. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm. Yep. I think I think Chelsea's adding it, carving it into the stone of the Swords and Satire Fantasy Avengers monument right now. You can hear the sound of the chisel striking stone. <laughs> I kind of love that the body and he- the body worked out to be Hercules. I'm like, ah, the machinations are coming together. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh my god, that is so good. Then that only leaves one more choice and some might say the most important choice because every great hero or heroic team needs a truly evil villain to stand against so we are going to give our nominations for the villain This category was inspired, of course, by Thulsa Doom from Conan the Barbarian. It is a pretty self-explanatory role. They're the unstoppable force whose cruel machinations drive the heroes to greater heights. They are the big bad, the ultimate evil, the antagonist, the nastiest but still best villain from the last year of Swords and Satire. And Chelsea, I believe you have the distinguished dishonor, because we're talking about villains, <laughs> of listing your nomination first. Nice. <laughs> so my pick for the villain is Skeletor. Oh, yes. Mwaha! <laughs> Did you pick him too? I'm not telling you. Oh. Okay. I, that's just Skeletor. Skeletor from Master... You fools! <laughs> I'm having a Skelet- wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> Although this is a very different Skeletor. Yes, Chelsea's this is Skeletor to- from the movie Masters of the Universe. Portrayed by Frank Langello. Excellent. So he has this mad lust just for power in general. He wants to rule the entire multiverse. So this is a hugely epic scale villain great point yeah he is literally a master of the universe (laughs) of the multiverse and he has this vast army and array of technology at his disposal he can transport himself to different universes and across time it's true and he (laughs) 
he's not a great swordsman, but he has this presence about him that just instills fear in the people around him. But he's also loving, and he has a relationship with his lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, he also so has a relationship. He also seems to have this like relationship with He Man, where he like kind of sees them each other as like the only thing that gives each other meaning. I know. So he is a philosopher too. So I think that's pretty a good point in his favor too. And he's used to working with powerful henchmen like we've seen. Yeah. Beast man is one of his close lieutenants. He has several other, like they aren't just copy and pasted faceless evil troops. They each have right. their abilities and powers. He comes with his own army, which is a very strong it's true. case. He's used mm -hmm. to commanding people with different abilities, which I think is in right. his favor. He he is better as a villain than a henchman because he's used to commanding. Oh, Definitely. yeah. Exactly. He's a general. And he is charismatic, even though he is an imposing figure and he instills fear in his followers and foes alike. He's also charismatic. People believe in his cause. They believe he is has the right to rule over the multiverse and they follow him to try to help him reach that goal. Man, his ability to cross the borders between worlds also. I mean, if we're not going to have Roland in the Dark Tower, we kind of need somebody like Skeletor who can dimension hop. Right. It's true. That's very good. So I've made my case. <laughs> you have made your case very well. <laughs> well, Jack, can you follow that up? So I had to pick someone who fits just the classic evil darkness from legend. Oh, my God. He's just Tim Curry. So that's all you need Tim to say. Curry. <laughs> yeah. And right when we were going into this, oh, you were really? saying the... The villain is the one who really has the most character, the one who, like, who has the most drive and all this sort of stuff. And Tim Curry has said, like, the exact same thing, which I thought was perfect. Darkness, nice. I imagine, could fit into this world, right? Perseus and Hercules at odds with each other. I imagine darkness is a deity sort of figure, right? So Perseus could be working for him for that reason, because he's... The champion of the Olympians. He has Athena's helmet. He has, like, the shield, or maybe it's the shield of Athena, but he has, like, Hephaestus makes him something, you know. All the gods give him the boons, owl. and in return, he does jobs for them, right? And so now it's his turn to do a job for darkness. Man, we we both of you guys have picked these great contemplative villains who are like the whole time philosophizing about their perspective of evil and existence and like the meaning of life and death. And they don't just exhibit sheer hate or aggression. They show a range of emotion. It's true. Yeah. He's just so charismatic, too. It's true. Like when I when, I, when he's trying to seduce, um, what's her name? <laughs> Lily. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's, and he's actually trying to like court her too. Yeah. Which I thought was so interesting. And he has. He wants her to choose. Yeah. It's true. Choose evil. Exactly. <laughs> and he has an army that he has. He has a base. He has a room with a portal 
that could lead anywhere, other universes, perhaps. Yeah. Because it's That's a portal right. to space in the heart of his dungeon. Yeah, but it could lead to It's true, yeah. and he can appear as an apparition. He appears to his goblin forces at one point. That's right, as death. Yeah, he did. In the cloak and hood. And yeah. he can transport through mirrors as well, if you recall that. He's got powerful magic. He's a powerful physical fighter. He's, uh, I'd say, probably genius-level intelligence. Dominating yes. personality. And he is unkillable. Well, you remember they destroy him at the end of the film, but it's heavily implied that he can never be fully destroyed and that he's going to be back because he lives in the hearts of all people. That's such a Good great point. quality for a villain to have. Now, Skeletor also, even though He-Man like, defeats him, there's an end credit sequence that Skeletor is still alive after... That's Master true. Of the universe, yeah, there you go. True. Both both great choices for that regard. That's in that regard, true. yeah, definitely. Hard to kill. <laughs> yeah, that's a great quality in a villain. Yep. Yeah, but uh, there you go. Darkness. That's yeah. And he, he's so villainous. He hurt Tim Curry's neck. <laughs> <laughs> the truest he had villain. To soak in a tub. <laughs> Injuring his own actor. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? Well, you know, before I give you guys my pick for the most dastardly villain for our lineup here, I'd like to give a shout out to our good friend and collaborator, Casey Cannon, because I had a I, I was I was going through Warcraft, which is one of Casey's favorite mm -hmm. movies. And I was like, I, I saw people to fill different roles from that movie and I had to say, Goldan the Orc was a really strong contender for a great villain who leads an army, who manipulates people, like does the truly evil thing. Because the orcs of that world are not really evil, but Goldan pushes them to like this evil ambition with his own power and cows them with this horrifying magic. Mm -hmm. So I, I, Really strongly considered Goldan, but I wanted to give Casey a shout out because I know Warcraft is one of her favorite movies. That being said, my pick for our villain was also Darkness. Oh, oh just it is impossible to imagine. I mean, I love Skeletor as a villain. I mean, I grew up with Skeletor as one of my favorite villains from the show and the movie but darkness is just so iconic the voice the look everything about him the way he uses magic in such interesting ways his mirror powers to like go into dimensions and go through portals to command this presence and to demand utter obedience from his followers he is so iconic and just, I mean, Jack pretty much laid out all the same reasons that I picked Darkness. I mean, how can you really defeat Darkness? Exactly. You can't have light without the dark. That is a great they point. They will know why they fear the dark and why they run from the night. Yes. 
But man, I mean, Skeletor is also, I really like Skeletor as a pick. And this is a very tough choice. It is, but I am already on Team Darkness, you guys. It's <laughs> like, if we can't have Alfred Molina, we've got to have Tim Curry. Great point. I mean, who, yeah. He's Great the point. villain. You know, Tim Curry's just <laughs> in in fantasy. He's the villain, you know? <laughs> the villain to end all villains. Well, and, and the darkness is also so seductive. It's it true. Really I love that quality about darkness that we've kind of been saying. He presents as this, like, philosophical, you know, kind of polite humanoid, right? But just in the... Way in the things he does, the magics he uses, and the way he kind of presents himself, he seems very inhuman in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not just that he's a huge devil man, but that he's like some, <laughs> he feels like this greater entity. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah. I think Skeletor has a lot of these same qualities, yeah. but. He just doesn't have the same charisma, though. He lacks the gravitas yeah. in this context. It's already canon. I'm ri- I've written it. Yeah, down. it's it's set in paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, guys, I mean, I think we've come up with some really great choices here. Just to recap, our choices for our Fantasy Avengers lineup. The body is Hercules from The Legend of Hercules 3D. Our spirit is Willow from Willow. Our heart is Valerian from Dragon Slayer. Our mind is Merrick from Mythica. Our henchperson is Perseus from Clash of the Titans. And the villain, the true villain, is Darkness from <laughs> Legend. Yes. This, now, guys, yeah. I had been thinking about maybe coming up with a plot, but I'm wondering if maybe this calls for a second episode. Yes, I think it does. I love that. So why don't we call it for this episode of Swords and Satire, Fantasy Avengers Year One Recap. So you're saying this is part one and we're going to get a part two. That's right. The sequel where we come up with the plot for whatever the name of our movie, colon, Masters of the Multiverse (laughs) is. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this now. This was so much fun. Yeah, that was Awesome. awesome. Well, then the only thing we can really say at this point is, of course, Hail Crom! Crom!